Listener supported. WNYC Studios. are listening to all of it on WNYC. I'm Allison Stewart. As we head into the holidays, many of us are planning on spending some time curled up with a good book. So we've dedicated today's show to highlighting some of the best books of the year. Our next guest's debut novel landed on many of those best of lists, and author Tori Peters did not shy away from centering her novel around a delicate topic, detransitioning. Here's the premise of her novel set in New York and titled Detransition Baby. A man named Ames learns that his girlfriend Katrina is pregnant. Katrina, by the way, is also his boss. The idea of fatherhood terrifies Ames. Not being a parent, per se, he's fine with that. It's more the idea of conventional daddom that scares him, especially since it's a role Ames never thought he would occupy. You see, Ames lived as a trans woman for many years before deciding to detransition. Now facing fatherhood, he's got an idea. He wants to see whether his ex, Reese, who is also trans, might want to co-parent with him and Katrina. Ames wants his girlfriend to let his ex help raise their child. In theory, everybody gets something they want. Ames gets to feel like a parent, not a dad. Katrina gets a second chance to be a mother after a miscarriage and a divorce and would have enough help with the baby that she could still focus on her career. And Reese, a trans woman, gets the baby she always wanted but couldn't afford to have. What could go wrong? Detransition Baby was longlisted for the Penn Hemingway Award and named a Best Book of the Year by the New York Times, NPR, Vogue, and more. I spoke with Tori Peters earlier this year. I began our conversation by asking about something she had said in the past, that there was a difference between writing for trans readers and writing for cis readers. I wanted to know who she had in mind when she was writing this novel. Well, I had in the past mostly written for trans women, um, but as I was writing it, uh, the book is actually Uh, dedicated to divorced cis women. And the reason that I dedicated it to them is that as I was like kind of in the middle of my 30s, I began to think about not just how I wanted, what transition meant to me, Mm -hmm. but what it might mean to like live after a break in my life after this big change. And so I was looking at, um, I I was reading various novels and a lot of the novels that spoke to me were novels by divorced cis women where there, where they were, basically had this moment in their life where there was this huge change and they had to kind of start their life over, but they had to not be bitter uh, going forward and they had to not reinvest in the illusions of their past. And for me, I was like, oh, that's the same actually as what I went through when I transitioned. And so I began thinking not so much in terms of identity of like, are are you cis, are you trans, Mm -hmm. but in terms of affinity, like who's this audience that has a sort of way of seeing the world, a way of trying to make their life. And that's the audience that I wanted to speak to that ended up being both cis and trans women and not all cis women. And, you know, as I've discovered once since the books come out, not all trans women, you know, Hmm. but that slice. There's the plot to the book, and then there are the themes of the book. I want to talk plot a little bit, which will get us to the themes. So we have Ames, who brings this proposal to his girlfriend and his ex. What is he going through that he would suggest this kind of arrangement? Well, I think he's 
he's in a really, in, to my mind, he's in a very dissociated state. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that um, people think, well, if you detransition, it's because you had regret because, you know, you weren't really trans or something like that. And most of the people I know who've actually detransitioned, detransitioned because it's just really hard to be a trans woman. And so the kind of place he's in is he's he still is trans, but he's no longer doing trans. And but yet he knows in his heart that he's he identifies in many ways with a kind of femininity. And the idea of fatherhood, which he never thought would, you know, he would face, kind of overwhelms him. And he's looking for people, he's looking to sort of bring in aspects of queerness or transness so that there are people around him who can see him in the ways that he needs to see himself and that he doesn't just end up in a, in a you know, purely sort of heterosexual mother-father relationship. And the way he goes about it and the way he sort of rationalizes it, I think, comes from this place where he's really distanced from his own experience in some ways after that detransition. So this this sort of premise of uh, sort of an outrageous uh, outrageous situation between people who have been in relationships kind of falls under the rubric of comedy of manners and you know a commentary on social conventions. How did you want to play with this familiar literary genre? Well, I you know I really. I like that sort of social realist. I like, mm -hmm. you know, even just like rom-coms. I enjoy rom-coms. <laughs> sure. And I was like, well, what well, what happens with those if you put a trans woman into that situation and not a trans woman where the whole like emphasis of the story is like, is she trans or something like that? But sort of like, what are the realities of trans life? And what does like a rom-com look like when it's with trans women? Um, there's a whole like host of realities that trans women face that you know make things like the nuclear family look really different um i talked a little bit about the sex in the city and like the sort of ways that each of the characters kind of finds meaning in life and the ways like that sex in the city model the four characters they don't graft perfectly onto the experience of trans women it's really hard to get you know at the center of the book, it's really hard if you're a trans woman to get a baby. Mm -hmm. And where, how could you have motherhood? And so sort of being like, well, what is it? What are these conventions of like the nuclear family of the rom-com of like getting married or any of those things? What do they look like when we sort of include into that reality, a trans woman? And then I just kind of started writing and wanted to see what, what happens. My guest is Tori Peters. We're talking about her debut novel, Detransition Baby. I have a process question because there is such a great rhythm and patter and sort of a, a just like it's just kind of rollicks along in certain places. When did you start writing it? How many rewrites did you do <laughs> to get it to the state it's in? I started writing it in 2016. And, you know, the first half of it, I think, it was a little bit more somber because maybe I was like in a more somber place in my life. I'd transitioned, things were a little mm -hmm. bit harder. And then um, in about 2017 or 2018, I was like, wait, you know what? Sometimes, you know, like humor is tragedy plus time. It was something like that where it was like right. these things that in the book started, started out seeming tragic. You know, after I'd spent two years with these characters, I could no longer find them tragic. I could only find them their, them funny and their situation funny. And when I sort of like clicked into the fact that like, oh, a lot of this is really funny. Then I started going back and just, you know, I could have these like long runs in it where I was, I was just making myself laugh. And that's like, that was like the part of the book mm -hmm. that where I think it really 
did click into place. You know, you mentioned that Ames's decision to transition is sort of a bit of a, a surrender. Like that, just, just mm -hmm. life is just too hard as a trans woman. For that part of the storyline, were you drawing on conversations with people who detransitioned or questions you had? Well, so I mean, I'd had own sort of experiences in my own life where things are really hard. Right? I didn't know where detransitioned, but I sort of was like, God, if I could just figure out how to live in the way that I lived before, maybe I could get some of what I'd lost back. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of, you know, that was sort of like these motivating moments. But also, I sort of wanted to talk about detransition in a way that felt honest to me, that, that detransition is so weaponized in, in certain conversations right. where people say, this is, you know, people have regrets, people, and you know, you're, no one's really trans, and these are people who figured out that trans is all a myth. And, you know, I know detransition people, and nobody's like, this was a myth. They were like, they were, they were, they detransitioned because things were really hard, and that everybody, like, you can move across the country and have regrets. I mean, that, you know, because something just didn't work out, not because you shouldn't have ever moved across the country. And I wanted to talk about detransition and, and the regrets about it in a real way. Mm. So the, the, and the way that I that I hear it talked to about uh, about with my friends and and people who've experienced it, because I think right now when it when we allowed it to be weaponized, we couldn't talk about this reality. But when we when we just sort of talk about it as it exists and are honest about it, it stops being scary. And also we sort of begin to own it instead of it letting be, letting it be sort of this like tool of a kind of anti-trans rhetoric. My guest is Tori Peters. We're talking about her debut novel, Detransition Baby. Baby, it's about, <laughs> I mean, it's a great title <laughs> because we're talking about a baby. And it's very much about parenthood and motherhood and the split arrangement between Katrina and, and Reese and how their ideas about motherhood come from different places. How are their views different? Well, I think that the in all of them, they sort of had the, they, they each of them begin with a kind of um, they're caught in sort of a pattern. They're, they're mm -hmm. handling their lives in sort of coping mechanisms. They're each sort of getting over a break in their life. And what I wanted to see happen was, you know, Katrina is Katrina is coming from a heterosexual marriage. She doesn't consider herself queer, and she sort of begins to see new possibilities in queerness, which is why she considers this like outlandish proposition. Reese, who is like you know, lived as a trans woman for a long time and considers herself sort of radical trans is beginning to admit that she wants, mm -hmm. she has desires for things like stability and family. And Ames has sort of had these like difficulties with gender and how he's going to perform his gender and how he's going to live. And what I wanted to have happen is I wanted to have like sort of their narratives or the, the coping mechanisms, the way that they talk about themselves, begin to unravel. And as they unravel, they would come together and we could sort of start to see the way that like new solutions or new propositions might work or not work um, when we include the sort of aspects of living trans in, in familial arrangements. So the way that AIM sort of thinks outside the box of what a family can look like or be, you know, in his mind is a win-win. The women aren't so sure. <laughs> um, yeah. As you're writing it, did you did you want the reader to feel strongly either way or just to consider something outside traditional imagery? 
you know, I didn't want to be prescriptive. Mm-hmm. For me, Sorry. a lot of this was about, you know, there, there are moments where in my own life as a trans woman and my friends, um, I, I feel like we end up being a little bit stuck. Like, how do we live as trans women? And so what I wanted to do was sort of pose this as a question where I'm like, you know, as a trans woman, it's very unlikely that I'm going to end up in a traditional nuclear family with like a heterosexual relationship. And, you know, obviously I can't bear children. And so that's out for me. And, and then I also want a sort of stability in my life. And I, so a certain way of living as like a kind of radical queer, which I had done for a while that mm-hmm. was out. And, I, and it was, I wanted to know, I didn't want to figure it out just for myself. How do I live kind of in the middle? How do I find a new way of being? I wanted the book to be posing a question that I could answer with like an entire generation of people, not just trans women, but also cis women who I think are also figuring this out and are also kind of looking around. You know, I read all these essays, things with titles like heteropessimism, where it's like there are lots and lots of cis women who are looking around and being like, actually, womanhood as we're doing it maybe isn't working for us. Or like marriage as we're doing it isn't really working for us. What could what are new ways of doing this? And I wanted to pose that question with all those people that I have an affinity with, like that affinity that I talked at the beginning to be Mm. like, what what new ways are there? And I don't necessarily have an answer but I'm hoping the book is a question that like opens up this conversation and, you know, over the next 10, 20 years, new answers, you know, people start proposing new answers. That was my conversation with Tori Peters about her novel Detransition Baby, which was long listed for the Penn Hemingway Award and named a notable book of the year by the New York Times. Up next, an acclaimed new history of our great city from author Thomas Dija. He joins us to discuss his book, New York, New York, New York. Four decades of success, excess, and transformation. This is all of it. <laughs> 